Good morning. I want to welcome you to the metro LA region of the LA Church of Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this morning for our worship. I hope your faith has been encouraged so far through the singing, through the good news, through Lexus sharing, Mark Flowers communion, as well as seeing some new faces in our Sunday worship service. You got a chance to see a, a teen, a campus, a single, woo woo, you know, to uh, those groups there. And we look forward to involving more people in our worship service to build the faith of our fellowship and encourage everyone who is watching. You know, there's so much going on in the world today. I know a lot of us, I've been in a lot of meetings where many of us are talking about just different challenges, worries, frustrations, anxieties. But have you felt like it's hard to have hope these days? Have you felt like it's hard to have hope these days? You know, we are living in an unprecedented time. And sometimes I have all these range of emotions. I'm mad, glad, sad. I'm in disbelief even uh, at, at some of the things that are happening in our world. And you, in the three states with the highest cases of COVID-19 right now are Chicago, Florida, and California. All these three states, COVID-19 cases have been on the rise there's over 20 million unemployed in the United States. Our economy has, has been very challenged and in trouble. You know, a, a thing on the table right now is, is what the fall is going to look like. And our kids going back to school, whether it's going to be online or on-site or, or both. You know, uh, Tense race relations. And, you know, I've been reading, Grace and I have been reading, listening, watching videos. And we're trying to educate ourselves and learn right now. Uh, about about how to deal with race relations, looking within about different ideas and ideology that can be racist on my part and repenting in it. You know, I've been reading this book right here called uh, by Ibram X. Kendi called How to Be an Anti-Racist. I, I don't want to be a person that is just non-racist. I want to be anti-racist. I believe that's where Jesus is. He's an anti-racist preacher theologian, teacher, and uh, that's something Grace and I are striving to work on and to become anti-racist, where we're fighting against uh, systems of oppression or injustice and, and also looking within our own selves to continually grow. I'm so encouraged uh, with the development of our squad team, our social, cultural, unity, and diversity team uh, that is in, in working right now hard to strive for racial equality. I want to thank the Henleys and their team for that. Uh, it's amazing. You know, November elections are coming up. Who are you going to vote for, right? What kind of policies are you going to vote for? And and no matter who wins, I, I'm pretty sure that the country is going to be even more crazier than what it is right now as, as, as that election unfolds and we see what direction we're going into. But it's always good to know that, you know, Jesus is our king. He's our hope. And it makes me feel like I have hope when I get in the Bible and I look to Jesus. Could you use a little hope this morning? And if so, our theme is entitled Jesus and hope. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're just grateful we could spend some time in your word. Thank you for our service this morning. Thank you so much for all the different speakers who've got, got, who, who have filmed already and, and is trying to encourage us, inspire us. 
uh, by focusing our attention on you. God, we love you. Bless our the, the Bible study we do. Help it to encourage, nourish us, challenge us, inspire us, and help us to take steps forward in becoming more like Jesus. We love you. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've doing, been doing this series all about Jesus, and I appreciate Robert and Michelle focusing our attention and getting our eyes on Jesus because he really is our beacon of hope. And I pray that today's lesson, we're going to be talking about the words and sayings of Jesus, the about different promises that Jesus made to us. Oftentimes, when we're talking about promises, we look at the promises of God. But today, I want to talk about the promises that Jesus made. And I hope this will encourage our faith this morning. I hope this will give you and I hope in our lives. You know, a man once told me as a young Christian, Reese, don't ever, ever put your hope in things that could be taken away from you. And I thought about that for a minute. Don't ever put your hope in things that could be taken away from you. And I thought that's very wise, you know, put it in Jesus because he is our beacon of hope. In Matthew chapter 11 in verse 28 to 30, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened. Are you feeling weary this morning? Are you feeling burdened? I don't know about you, but man, my to-do list is endless. I always feel like my to-do list, there's so much to do on it that I don't even want to look at it sometimes. But Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first promise Jesus makes to us is that he promises us rest. Now, doesn't that just sound good? Rest. How many of you need a break? Well, Jesus gives us rest. You know, the context of this passage is that God gave his people basic guidelines for holy living. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders of his time, ended up making God's law impossible to follow full of burdens. And Jesus stepped into this complex, complicated system of religious leaders that were arrogant, smart, wealthy, and like the Sadducees, Pharisees, Herodians, Zealots, and Essenes, putting burdens on the people that destroyed their faith. And Jesus didn't play by their rules. He couldn't stand their hypocrisy And he preferred spending time with people less than perfect, people who who are struggling in life. I want to show you what the religious leaders did. Is they came up with 613 commandments to burden the people. They chose the number 613 because that was how many separate letters were in the text containing the Ten Commandments. Then they found 613 commandments in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. Then they divided the Ten Commandments into do this commands and don't do this commands. There were 248 affirmative or do this commands, one for every part of the human body. There were 365 negative or don't do this commands, one for every day of the year. They further divided that list into binding commands and non-binding commands. Now, how confusing is that? 
And it's in this scenario here where the religious leaders were putting all these burdens on, on how to live your life on God's people that they just were so burdensome and weary. And Jesus was telling them, man, you know, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And it's in this all these religious laws and commands that these Pharisees were putting on the people that Jesus gave one statement. He summed all everything up, all the law and the prophets, the commandments up into two. And you know, it's called the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus summed everything up into two commands. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. Boom, simple, easy. They can do it, and it, it relieved the burden in their lives. You know, one of the things that Jesus talks about, he says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you. And a yoke was, was a, a, a wooden beam that, and here's a good picture of it, a wooden beam that was, was put on two oxen. And that wooden beam would, would direct both oxen in one direction. That yoke helped ease the load. And that through teamwork, that the, uh, the two oxen could do double the work, you know. It wouldn't be just one pulling all that load and having that burden on them. But it would be two oxen doing double the work because it's, it's properly directed. And that through teamwork and through synergy, more can get done. And that's the whole idea here that when we're yoked to Jesus, you know, we're directed properly. We are, we are in we have synergy because of teamwork and more can be done in our lives with less effort. And that's what Jesus is telling us and how we can get rest. This isn't just about talking about, oh, just get some rest and go to sleep, although sleep is important. This is talking about rest for our souls by, by being directed properly because we're with Jesus and that we are not only directed, but through teamwork and synergy, God can do even more in our lives with less effort. Now, isn't that encouraging? The second promise he makes is about partnership. And in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The second promise Jesus gives us is about partnership, that he would always be with us. You know, his name means Emmanuel, which means God with us. And what Jesus was reminding the disciples, you know, uh, the 11 disciples when they got the Great Commission is to remember that he will always be with us, that we are never alone, that we are always in partnership with Jesus. It's this idea of this Jesus being there for us. And I, and I love that. And, and I feel like that about my wife. My wife is always by my side. Always, she, she has my back. She's always there with me. And I love her. And I love her for that. Um, but man, it's this idea that just, man, that we're never alone. We can do this life together. That's so encouraging. I hope that gives us hope. Because in troubling times, it could feel like we're all alone. The third promise is that Jesus gives us as he gives us the Holy Spirit as disciples. In John chapter 14, in verse 15 to 17, it says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you 
and be with you. Again, he, he, there's, Jesus gives us another person to be with us forever. The spirit of truth. The third promise is that we get the Holy Spirit. Another name for the Holy Spirit is this Greek name paraclete. And, and there's different roles that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. And, and it's a powerful thing. It's in the Greek, parakletos means called alongside to help, to counsel, to advise, to advocate. And what an encouraging thought that is. And I hope you know that if, as a disciple of Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit at baptism. And, and you have a power within you that sometimes I think we're just, we just don't quite realize all the how powerful we actually are and, and the power that lives within us that is constantly helping us transform and help and counsel and advocate and intercede and mediate. It's the paraclete that we, you and I have. I want to show you 50 ways that the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is guiding, inspiring, working, helping, advocating, interceding for us and mediating for us. Just look at this. Just let this sink in. I'm going to take, I'm just going to let you look at it for a minute and just let this sink in. How many ways the Holy Spirit is working in our lives? It's a lot. You're more empowered than you may realize. We can be grateful. Because we have one who Jesus gave to us that is constantly working in our lives to bring about change, to help us transform, to help us to grow. And I hope that gives us hope that we're not only not alone, we have, we're empowered people, encouraged people. I mean, there's just so many ways the Spirit is working in our lives. And I hope that encourages and gives us hope. Another way, Jesus. The fourth way Jesus makes a promise to us is in John chapter 14, where we get to have peace of mind in the midst of crisis, in the midst of trouble. Now, doesn't that sound good? Peace of mind. Sometimes when I'm at home, I just want peace in my house. I just want to relax. I just want... I don't want my mind to be just going like that, you know, just thinking of so many things, anxiety, worry. I just want to just have peace. And one of the things Jesus promises is peace of mind. Look at this passage in John 14, verse 1 to 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. One of the things, doesn't this just sound good? You know, Jesus is thinking about our futures. He was helping the disciples to realize as they go through trouble in this world. To put, he's going to, he went, he was telling them, I'm going to prepare a place for you just to help ease their mind a bit of all the different challenges going on. You know, in the first century, you're talking about they understood challenge. They understood crisis. You know, you know, years of pandemics, challenges, years of persecution going on in their 
in their lives. Just so many things that, that can help you feel unrest. But Jesus promised peace of mind by, by creating, helping them to understand there's a future for him. And there's a truth to this, you know, that this helps me to realize this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Heaven is my home. And it's such an important truth. It helps me to be at peace, that to get some peace of mind. The fifth thing, promise. In John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5, is that Jesus promises to help us bear fruit. And not just a little bit of fruit, much fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's so encouraging to hear that we're going to be productive in our life. God is going to help us produce in our lives, not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit. And, you know, it's fun to bear fruit, right, in the Christian life. It's fun to see what God is producing in our lives. And in this passage, Jesus teaches he got a job and then we got a job. His job is to be the vine. Our job is to be an amazing branch. Be a great branch. Be the best branch that you can be where you soak up everything, nutrients from the vine. You know, Reese, I want to be the vine though. No, that, 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 that's not your job. You're, you're, not, you're not here to be the vine. Only Jesus is the vine. Your job, my job, is to be a great branch where we soak up all the nutrients that the, the vine is trying to give us. So let's get good at receiving. Let's get good at, at getting involved and soaking up things of Jesus. Let's learn about Jesus. Let's listen to Jesus. Let's, let's soak up as much knowledge as we can about Jesus so he can be he can produce things in our own lives that we're going to pr- produce a lot in our life the next promise is in John 14 verse 12 and it's about rewards that that Jesus promises us rewards in our lives in John chapter 14 in verse 12 it says very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it doesn't that encourage you Jesus says we're going to do even greater things than him and if we ask for it he will reward us in our lives that's so encouraging. Let's keep asking. I don't know about you, but I love rewards. I love to be rewarded with something. The sixth thing, or the seventh thing, is in John chapter 10. And I love this pa- passage here. In John chapter 10, verse 9 to 10, it says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Isn't that encouraging? Doesn't that sound adventurous that we will, that the thief comes to just steal, kill, and destroy? There is one that is trying to steal your life from you, kill you, and destroy you, kill your dreams, your faith, your family, and, and destroy your life. But there is one that has come to give us life and have life to the full. What great adventure does God have in store for you? And that is encouraging to hear. That gives me so much hope in life that Jesus is working to to give us life to the full. There are things that we should have that are life-giving in our lives. 
What is giving you life today? What are you going to try differently in your life that will give you life? You know, the teens, I, I appreciate some of the things that they've been, we've been working on is we've been doing a prayer for justice and peace the last five Tuesdays at 11 p.m. And if anybody wants to join us in that, you can, you can join us in that where we're just praying for justice and peace for the walls of hostility and oppression and injustice to, to be brought down the same way the walls of Jericho was brought down. And the teens have been working on that. You know, in the Carson City Ministry, they've been trying new things that, 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 that in the spirit of, of, of working toward justice and being able to meet the needs of the poor, the needy, and, and the fatherless, the Carson Ministry got together and, and looked for ways to impact those who are, are going through tough times and, and the needy in their community. Taisha Walker works for a Compton USD and was able to get a list of nine family in needs. And they put all these care packages together of school supplies and snacks and toys. And, and on Thursday, they, uh, July 16th, they went and handed it out to them. And one child screamed, this is the best day ever. Indeed it is. When we're going out and doing and, and exercising our faith and meeting needs around us. So what is giving you life? You know, one of the things that's given me life is being in grad school. And, and, and I'm going to be starting my fourth semester up in um, at the end of August. And one of the things I got to do is, is be able to travel a little bit uh, to learn in different contexts. You know, I've traveled to Antelope Valley where I learned about Jesus' prayer life. We were talking about in our intensive about Jesus' prayer life and, and that he prayed in the desert. And so we went to a place like the Antelope Valley, the high desert, and to do an exercise, a half an hour exercise up there where we go to the desert and pray in the desert. And man, I learned so many, so many things uh, in that context. I got uh, to travel to Portland and to to learn there. To I went to Chicago last semester and then as well as to North Carolina and this semester, I'm, I'm going to be traveling to Nashville, Tennessee to learn up there. But I want to introduce you to a guy here when I was in Durham, North Carolina. These are two ministers here. The guy on the right, his name is Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove. He's in a, he's a, both of these guys are Baptist ministers. And in our program, we learn from Church of Christ ministers, Lutheran ministers, Baptist ministers. And I got to learn from this guy on the right, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove and, and, both of these guys are moral activists. They're highly involved in their community, but not only there, but at the national level. Both of these guys here are co-chairs of the Poor People Campaign, which is uh, was Martin Luther King Jr.'s campaign that was started in 1967. And both of these guys, I believe, co-chair it, and they're involved in the community. And the guy on the right asked me when we were in a, a teaching session, Reese, what is it that you want? And I thought about that question for a minute. And, and he was talking about how, you know, your faith should make a difference in this world, should not only make a difference in your life, but should better the lives of people in your community, in your area, in your city and your state. And I understand a little bit more now why oftentimes ministers are involved in politics, not because they're just trying to, to be in the political arena, but that in that arena, policies dictate and can affect the lives of people in a tremendous way. So they're in that battle to make sure certain policies that Jesus would represent 
would be something that they're voting for. And it made me think about my life. Now, I'm not saying I'm getting into all politics and all that, but it has expanded my mind and my imagination to learn more. And, and that's been so life-giving to be a part of that. Uh, it's been very, very encouraging. Oprah Winfrey, when in, in the midst of all these talk, racial talks and racial equality and how to move forward, had this guy on the left, Dr. Reverend William Barber the II, uh, and all different faith leaders talking on her show about how to move forward. And, and it's good for us to be in different environments and contexts where we can learn and grow so that we can become more like Jesus and think more like Jesus. And I may not you know, exactly understand all the things. I don't necessarily agree with some of the things that they perhaps agree with, but boy, I can learn and grow. And it's been such a life-giving experience to be in grad school. The last thing I want to talk about here is in John 3, 16. The last, uh, the last promise that I want to talk about today is, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The last promise, the eighth promise Jesus gives us is that he promises eternal life, that it's a gift. Don't ever think that we earned our salvation. So remember your baptism date. Mine was March 24th, 1992, 28 years ago. And eternal life is a promise of a new future. Not only a a, a great life and amazing, meaningful life here, but a new future is coming and a new life is coming for us when Jesus comes back. Thank you, Jesus. And so why is it important to know these eight promises of Jesus that we looked at today? Is because it helps us persevere in the spiritual battle against Satan. You and I are in a battle and, and we get weary and we need to be recharged. And I hope these promises help recharge us. But it also helps us to have hope in our lives. That the more we get in the Bible, the more we can see that Jesus is our true hope. That he has vision for us. And not only that, he gave us the Holy Spirit that is constantly working in our lives to help us to do amazing things for him. He made many promises in the Bible. And we've only looked at eight today. You know, God loves us. He believes in us. He has vision for us. He's working in our lives. So what did we learn today? That Jesus promised many things. He promises us rest, partnership, the Holy Spirit, peace of mind, fruit, rewards, life to the full, and eternal life. And I want to close in this passage. Is in Romans 15 verse 4. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. As you go about your day today and your week, I pray you will remember that Jesus is our hope. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us. I hope this has been educational and inspiring for you. If you'd like to know more, please join us by going to study.laicc.net and we'll be happy to contact you and help you in any way we can.